us tonight. On behalf of San Francisco Ballet, I'd like to welcome you to the War Memorial Opera House and the Meet the Artist program. I'm Cheryl Osola, a writer for San Francisco Ballet and editor-in-chief of Dance Studio Life magazine. And I have uh, soloist James Safranco here as my guest tonight. Please welcome him. Thank you. For the benefit of our podcast listeners and any of you who have yet to do your taxes, today is Friday, April 15th, 2016. So before we start our chat, I have a little bit of information for you. First, if you'd like to catch up on any of the Meet the Artist interviews that you've missed, many of them are available uh, via podcast at our website, sfballet.org. While you're there, you can find all kinds of fun things to uh, keep you occupied, like dancer bios, casting information, program notes, educational programs, upcoming events, and the company's blog, Open Studio 455. And you can also connect with us online in other ways. We're easily found on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And finally, there will be some time after the interview for questions from you. So um, you can start thinking about that now. So for those of you who don't know him, I'd like to introduce Jim. Uh, he's a Juilliard-trained Midwesterner. Who, whose training and career brought him to both coasts. Fortunately, he ended up on this one. Uh, he joined San Francisco Ballet in 2000. And about halfway through his now 16-year tenure with the company, he was promoted to soloist. His repertory... <laughs> His repertory is several pages long. He's worked with more than three dozen choreographers. And so those of you who have been watching the company over the years um, can attest to his versatility. Uh, for someone who is a heck of a nice guy offstage, he's done a good job playing some villains in three ballets by Yuri Posikov, Cache and Firebird, The Monk and Raku, and one half of the weird twinned elders in uh, Rite of Spring. But he's also been the sweet car mechanic Mac in Lou Christensen's filling station. He's been a sailor out on the town in Jerome Robbins' Fancy Free, <laughs> and he has been a rather ridiculous husband in Robin's The Concert. In 2005, he danced in the national tour of Twyla Tharp's Broadway show, Moving Out. Luckily for us, he came back, and he has danced a, 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 a huge number of roles that take you know, virtuosic technique and pure artistry. So if that's not enough, he's also a choreographer and a little bit of an entrepreneur, which we'll get into. Uh, but we're gonna start by talking about program seven, which he's not dancing in uh, because he's injured, but he, <laughs> he did get to rehearse and he knows a lot about it. So if you're just joining us, I'm chatting with soloist James Safranco. So you would have been dancing in Justin Peck's In the Countenance of Kings. You uh, learned the role of the foil. And tonight I think that'll be Gennady, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And you also have a long history with Christopher Wielden's Continuum, which is another piece on, on this program. So um, I wondered, even though you haven't gotten to perform it, you did get to rehearse it quite thoroughly uh, last summer and fall. So could you talk a little bit just about um, you know, working with Justin Peck, his choreographic style, his, his creative process, and, and your role in particular? Sure. Uh, thanks, Cheryl, for such a nice intro. I never really thought about my career in terms of like numbers, four pages, and three dozens of choreographers. I, it's kind of amazing <laughs> when you look at it from a far back point of view. So anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have been here for as long as I have, and I, it's a great place to work, it's a great place to dance, and um, I'm thankful for every moment I've had here. So, Justin Peck's In the Countenance of Kings, yes, I was um, learning uh, the part that you'll see Gennady dance. Um, the name of the role is the foil, as you said, but we did not know that we had names when we were <laughs> being choreographed upon. So um, it, it, was a, it was kind of just a fun, um, felt like a spontaneous sort of uh, experience in the studio with Justin. He was, you know, he's young, he's only 28, so I mean, he's younger than me, but, but he, we're in this, you know, we're in the same generation pretty much. You know, he, he's not like, um, you know, a, some repetitor from a, an older choreographer coming in. And, you know, he, he feels like he's one of us. I mean, he is a dancer at New York City Ballet. He could be a dancer at San Francisco Ballet. You know, it's just uh, one of us up there telling us what to do. So it's, it has sort of a friendly nature. I mean, he, he's not overly nice, I would say, but it has a friendly... <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, he, he still wants you to get the work done. There's no doubt about that. But it has this kind of rapport that, that's fun to work, work in. And... Um, yeah, I was working with uh, Norika and Maria Kachakova on this pas de deux, and it's really kind of like here, there, and down to the floor, and back up again, and fast, and fun, and um, big lifts, and kind of like pow. So um, I was really hoping to dance it, and I'll, hopefully I'll get to dance it next year. I, I should, barring any, anything else happening. But <laughs> I'm, I'm okay, by the way. I, I um, tore my plantar fascia um, during a show of Yuri Postkov's Swimmer, uh, about three weeks ago, um, people said they couldn't tell because uh, I was—I I didn't stop. I couldn't really stop based on the choreography. I mean, if I—if my foot was forcing me to, me to stop, I would have. But it, I could still kind of hobble through it. It felt like I was hobbling, but I guess um, I managed to fake it well enough at least to finish the piece. It was near the end, so. Um, but after that, it was—it was clear that I, I couldn't continue for at least a month or two. So I should be back for next season, no problem. <laughs> Thanks. It always amazes me how you guys can fake it when I know you're in just excruciating pain. Um, you know, just, Justin uh, in the studio, he's, he's sort of a quiet guy. He sort of takes his time. He's not afraid to stop and think about something and not say anything. And the dancers are just standing there going, okay. Um, so, you know, he, he has a kind of a, a, a quiet sort of self-confidence. And then this thing he makes is this just exuberant, athletic, you know, flying through the air kind of ballet. It's sort of interesting contradiction there. Yeah, the outward appearance might not be what you see of his character, might not be what the character is of the piece. Um, but that's kind of amazing. I mean, what's inside somebody is not what you see on the outside. So. Um, you said physicality. I'd, I'd probably say that's 
one of the best words I would think of to describe uh, just very, oh, you said athletic, that's what I meant. But physical and athletic, they kind of go hand in hand. Um, yeah, he kind of embodies like what a lot of um, New York City ballet is about for me too. They, they use this classical technique, but they have this um, kind of a raw athleticism and um, abandonment sometimes to their movement. Um, they're still refined in their, in their classical technique, but they push the boundaries of it. They go further and they dance big and they dance strong and they reach as far as they can. You know, whereas you might think of the Royal Ballet or something as more placed and, and perfectly, you know, arm right exactly there. And, but Justin, he kind of like goes for it and he throws his arms and you have to match him. And he was trying to get us to dance that way too. And personally, I like to dance that way myself. So I, I had a good time. <laughs> If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with soloist James Safranco. Um, so, so what about the music? Um, the score for this ballet is called the BQE. It's a, it's a piece by Sufjan Stevens. It was originally done to accompany a film which was of traffic on the Brooklyn Queens Expressway and some hula hoopers. Yeah, hula hoopers. Um, and it was a 20-piece orchestra and a rock band, so it had to be reorchestrated for us. Um, but but it's, 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 it still has that cinematic feel, and it's just really exuberant. Um, is it as fun to dance to as it seems? And, and what do you like about this music? Well, it's, uh, I might not be the best person to answer that because I didn't ever dance it with the orchestra because I was hurt before then. And the recording that we danced to in the studio was more of a, the studio recording, you know, more electronic sounds. Even the, the pas de deux that I did, I don't think had ever, it, it was like all electronic music. I don't even think it was like uh, with electronic violins and cellos and stuff. It was more like sounds with rhythm and tone, but um, we were like, how is this going to sound on the orchestra? <laughs> we were really uh, nervous to hear what it sounded like to see if we'd hear the same things, the things that we're looking for in the music, you know, the landmarks. Um, I heard it for the first time sitting up there, uh, and it was great. The from the first uh, en entrance of the, the timpani and the, this, like the overture, it was like really gets you going. And yeah, cinematic, I think is a good word for it too. Um, the people around me were like, oh, even with just the overture. So I think the music is a, a good gateway into the piece. You know, it really kind of embodies the energy of the piece. And also kind of like you said, the uh, like, variety of the piece too. It kind of jumps around, I feel. And then there's moments in the ballet too of more quiet, tender. It starts with a solo man. And you think it's more of maybe of an introspective piece, but then it jumps and then it's got lots of different people. And then all of a sudden there's a big like weaving of people. Then like they're maybe they're on the subway platform. I don't know. I didn't even know that the music was from a subway uh, themed piece until recently. And now that you, now that I've heard it, about the subway, I can see some maybe parallels between, maybe Justin had that in his mind thinking about subways. I don't know. Free, free, <laughs> see if you freeway, think so actually. Yeah, the, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Oh, it's the Expressway. Yeah, yeah, oh, I thought yeah. it was the BQE. Traffic. Oh, I got it. I thought it was the, um, the subway lines. I'm sorry. Yeah, he actually didn't work with that concept, but that's okay. Okay, so, yeah, so yeah. you can take what you want. Yeah. <laughs> So, so let's, let's jump to Continuum. Um, you were part of the original uh, group of dancers that Christopher Wheeldon set this piece on in 2011? No. One, yeah, maybe? Yeah, 2001. Um, and um, 
you know, it's a really layered piece. I, you know, over the years, every time I see it, I see something new in it. Um, I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about maybe how it's changed for you, your perception of it, or as you've danced it, have you found new things in it? Yeah, I, it's a very interesting piece for me. I, I've been with it for three times. It's come back the first time, then once in 2006, and then now. Um, didn't get to perform it now, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it's kind of an amazing piece for me. When it was being made in the studio, I was new to the company. I was young. I didn't really have as much experience as I do now, obviously. Um, I was unsure of what it was going to be. I was kind of skeptical. I was like, what is this piece, the music? I didn't really like the music then. Because it's this um, ligaty piano music, this uh, kind of harsh sounding at times, but then at other times very beautiful and minimalist. And the music has since grown on me a lot. And I don't even have a problem with it at all anymore, the music. I think maybe when, I was, when he was making it, I was hearing it a lot. <laughs> so when you hear it over and over and over again with anything, it can be, uh, it can be troublesome for you. Um, but I, so I was skeptical about the piece when he first made it because it was unlike any other ballet I'd ever seen and you know I'm just seeing it in the studio but then I I got to the audience in the stage I was the second cast and I watched the first cast perform it and I was like wow okay I will never judge a book or a ballet by its cover again because it, it really um, it came out of like nowhere for me left field it surprised me that this ballet can be so beautiful. And um, there's a lot of simplicity in it. It's really just a lot of shapes. And how can there be emotion out of that? But there is. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how that happens. That's the magic of dance, I think, that when you put dance with music and on a stage with lighting. And it, it all comes together for this piece, I think. Yeah, one, one of the, uh, he was, Chris Wielden was working with a lot of imagery at the time he was creating it right after 9-11 um, and he was in New York when that happened so you know that was very much in his mind and you're not going to see anything overt in there about that um, but but there were a lot of ideas churning around which I knew about but what I didn't know Jim was that apparently there's a section where some of the movement is derived from something you were doing in a warm-up at rehearsal? <laughs> yeah, it, it's true, and I don't know if uh, Chris will ever hear this interview, hopefully not, but uh, <laughs> yeah, there was, um, my, my friend Pablo and I, we were talking about a class that we took at Juilliard, and there was this kind of cantilever movement, the seesaw movement, um, and we were just playing around on a five-minute break, and he saw it, and he was like, okay, Let's do that. And we put, he put it right in the ballet. <laughs> it's right in the finale. You'll see all the four couples go down and up and down. And then they, the women uh, perch themselves on the men's knees. Yeah. So I had a direct hand in that, that moment. <laughs> That's what you call collaboration. Yeah. Uncr and, uncredited and, and for George, years. George Balanchine himself said you should steal what works, you know? <laughs> so, you know... Um, and I actually had the same observation about the ligety. It's like, I used, if, honestly, I didn't like it at all at first. And now I'm like, oh, wow, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I recommend seeing things repeatedly over time. I, I think the best things are the ones that get better with time, too, you know? Like, definitely. If, if the novelty wears off, you know, okay, we, we can move on. But when there's pieces that you keep returning to over and over again, what is it about this piece? That, uh, those are the ones that. I love to see the most the pieces of music or art or dance or whatever. Right, the ones that make you think and feel, yeah. Um, so you're a choreographer yourself. 
um, you actually have a piece that will be premiering in May. It's your second work for the San Francisco Ballet School trainees. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure, yeah, I, I have the fortunate um, opportunity again to choreograph. This is the second year I've choreographed for the trainee program, the San Francisco Ballet School trainees, um, who are great. They're, they're basically professional students, so they're right on the cusp of auditioning for companies. Many of them get jobs here in San Francisco Ballet as apprentices or sometimes even to the core. Um, so they're a small little group of like eight to 10 um, really talented young dancers. So they've got a nice combination of eagerness and willingness and energy, <laughs> which is great. Um, but they're, they're green in, in other ways too. So I think it's a nice experience for them to have somebody to choreograph directly on them and to understand what that process is all about. Because, I mean, that's a lot of what we do here at San Francisco Ballet and, and other ballet companies around the country too. But um, it's a big part of what keeps dance alive is we all, we're always making new works, right? We, we always have to push the art form forward. And I think when you're a student, sometimes you don't realize that right away. You're just like doing what, you told, what you've been told and you're in school and you just want to be a dancer in the company and you want to dance all the ballets that are already out there and you don't put as much thought into how did this come to be? How did this famous piece of choreography come to be? And then when you, you're in a studio with a choreographer and you realize, oh, there's a lot of thought that has to go into this. There's a lot of, um, it doesn't just work the first time maybe, or you know, you, you can have an idea, but how do you put that idea into action? Because it takes a lot of communication, takes a lot of um, running traffic patterns around the studio. <laughs> so there's all these elements that um, are good for a choreographer to practice. And that, having a larger group is actually what I was really excited to have. Because um, I, I dabbled in choreography at Juilliard um, and then throughout my time here. But little potages or solos, things for summer gigs or what have you, little showings here and there. But nothing with like a, a larger group of dancers. So my first piece was for 10, for five couples. And then um, this piece this year is for uh, four couples, so eight dancers. So. Um, it was great. I mean, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to, to be able to, to move people around the stage. So my piece is called, what was the question? Yeah. <laughs> my piece is called uh, Means to an End. And uh, I found the music um, actually listening to NPR. And the, uh, the composer is a Tunisian composer. His name is Anwar Brahim. And he's kind of uh, in the jazz genre. But he plays the oud, the O-U-D. Um, Middle Eastern kind of guitar-y, sitar -y instrument. And um, it's kind of atmospheric, and he wrote it in the aftermath of the Arab Spring that happened in his country and other countries around there, and it, that kind of got me thinking about just how does one live in a place like that? And what is the aftermath of a revolution, for instance? I mean, how crazy must that be for one to live there? So, you know, I, I didn't make a piece very literal necessarily about revolution, but that's, that was my jumping off point. And I, uh, my piece last year was to Mozart, and it was very much just pure dance, pure reaction to the music. And I, this time I wanted to have more of a concrete idea, at least to start, to see, have a, a feeling of the piece that kind of evoked certain images or memories or, yeah, I don't want to give away too much, but. I'm looking forward to it. Now, one thing you said was you were talking about um, working with the trainees and how they, they get to experience how choreography just doesn't you know, come out of the choreographer 
you know, in a nice package. So for you as a, as a emerging choreographer, um, over your years as a dancer, um, what, have, what have you gleaned from working with all of these very diverse choreographers? And, and maybe, you know, if possible, you could sort of zero in on, on Justin Peck and Christopher Wielden since they're on tonight. How, how did they influence you? Well, I'd, I'd say that the influence of working with the dozens of choreographers here at San Francisco Ballet, I think, taught me that there's no right way. Really, everyone has their own way of making it happen. Everyone has their own personality in the way that they talk to the dancers and the way that they want to be prepared for rehearsal or not prepared. Um, the way Yuri Posakov makes a ballet is, is so different than the way Christopher Wielden makes a ballet. Um, and both are valid and they both make amazing work. And I think that's taught me that there's no, you have to kind of discover your own path and discover what feels natural for you. You, you shouldn't force it, I'd say. And I think um, the choreographers that really have found their own natural way of being in the studio, they feel comfortable in their own skin to be this way or that, whichever way that is. I think those are the ones that end up having the most success. Um, I mean, I think Wielden is very smart. He, he has a, I think he has a clear sense of what his like vision for the piece is overall. He's not just kind of barreling ahead with looking minutely. He looks at the big picture. I mean, I'm, I'm speculating. I'm not in his head, but, um, and he's super musical too. He, he knows every beat of every phrase and his eye is so sharp too. You can't, you'll be in the back corner on the left and he'll be like, Jim, you're late. You know, like he's really aware, like super aware. Um, and Justin, Justin too, Justin, Justin was super musical. Justin was, I feel like he wanted to have the, the rhythm of the natural flow of the body inform his movement. That's kind of what I got from him. And I, I mean, I, as a choreographer, I would want to take pieces from him, pieces from him, a little bit from here, a little bit from there. You know, what worked for me as a dancer, that'll probably work for me as a choreographer too. And I'm sure Justin was a, is, because he's still dancing in New York City Ballet, it, you know, is a dancer in the same way who'd probably dance his pieces very well. <laughs> I'd like to spend more time on that, but I'm going to segue into something else so that we have time for questions. Um, in 2014, you received the Inspiration Award from the Cancer Prevention Institute of California uh, for your dance performance fundraiser, Get In Front. Um, that fundraiser is now in its, what, third or fourth year? It's in its fifth year, fifth year, and now it's called Dance, Dance for Far, a Reason. Dance right, Far, Dance, yeah. Far, Dance for a Reason. Um, and you've been producing this with two former San Francisco Ballet dancers, Margaret Carl and Garen Scribner. Um, and you've also launched a small dance company. Um, so obviously, and, and you're choreographing, so obviously you're thinking beyond your own performances on the stage. What kind of a concept do you have for your future? Oh gosh! <laughs> In twelve I mean, words or less. Yeah, it's no. the uh, it's the question that every dancer dreads. You know, what are you going to do after? And I, I don't know. I, I don't know how it's going to work for me. I I do know that I love the art form. I love dance. I love ballet. Um, I I would love to be a contributing factor to its continuity. I I want to help younger generations see great art the way that I was. You know, taught from people before me. So I, I don't know if that would mean I'd be more on the, on the supporting role of like the business side or if it's gonna be 
me more artistically in the studio, choreographing or teaching or directing, producing, whatever. I would love to stay involved artistically. Like, in the studio, I think it would be hard for me, <laughs> like, painful to not be in the studio ever again once I'm done dancing. Um, but I think that's a pain that every dancer has to face who, who doesn't continue in the dance world. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work for me, but I'm, I'm very happy to keep choreographing and putting what I think is good stuff out there, or at least trying my best, and educating the, the trainees, for instance, educating audiences about choreographers that have come before, how did we get here, it's the influence from people who came before us, and dance is an evolving art form, just like we are evolving too. So our society is evolving, we have so much more technology now, how does technology fit into dance, which is a very, on technological, you know, from a te from that point of view, art form. You know, we just need a person in a space. Sometimes music, not even music all the time. So, how do we fit that into our society now? And I really want to be a part of how that conversation evolves. I think, and um, if I can have some sort of career job <laughs> doing it, <laughs> that would be great. Well, it sounds like you're off to a good start. Um, do you want to do a very quick plug for the upcoming performance? Uh, sure, yeah. M my uh, my small uh, dance company is going to be premiering this June, June 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the ODC Theater. It's called SF Danceworks. You can look it up online. But it's a, it's a small contemporary repertory company. Um, I want to showcase the past, the present, and, and uh, create the future also of uh, more, more contemporary uh, choreographers, typically than what you see here at the ballet. So it's a, a different type of company, but... Um, still something that I think is very important and that San Francisco needs. Great, so we are gonna open this up. We're gonna open this up to you and I do ask that you keep your questions brief and one per person. So just raise your hand if you have a question. Yes. Can you talk about the, the little movie trailer for In the Countenance of Kings? Yeah, I was not directly involved with that. Um, there was a chance I was going to have to be in it, uh, but then it turned out Gennady was available, so he did it because it was all first cast. Um, I believe it was, it was filmed in an abandoned train station in the East Bay somewhere, so I don't know if anybody would recognize it. Um, who was the guy who made it? Ezra, right? What's his last name? Uh, is Estabrook, right? Isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, <laughs> it probably says on the credits of the film, doesn't it? But um, I think he's worked with a lot with Justin Peck, and I think they've done this before with his ballets, right? If I'm not mistaken, that they've kind of made little video trailers. And I mean, I think they, it was a great idea. I think it's kind of nice that I was talking about how does technology fit into our world now? I mean, Obviously, marketing, everybody's online now. So this is a good way to kind of give a snippet of what the piece is and to get people excited about it. Um, yeah, did, did you like it, the film? <laughs> yeah. It's on our website if anybody hasn't seen it. And I'm so take, take yeah, a it's look. Really, yeah, it's really fresh and, and fun, I think. Another question, yes. How old were you when you started dancing and how did it come about? Uh, sure, I was probably about five years old and I saw Michael Jackson dancing on TV at my grandparents' house uh, on MTV. And um, 
my parents said, do you want to take dance lessons? And I was like, okay, sure. And of course, I was the only boy in the studio except for an older kid. Um, so of course, they paired us together and we did all these funny like comedy bits. I was the little boy and he was the tall, tall boy. Um, so, you know, as a boy in dance, you're a little bit of a mini celebrity at the local dance studio. So that's always, you know, that, that probably helped a little bit. You know, I was always like, oh, this is fun. I'm getting lots of attention. Uh, <laughs> my parents probably hated that. <laughs> Too much attention. Um, but yeah, I studied tap and jazz and ballet at my local ballet studio. And then there was a, uh, a school for creative and performing arts in Cincinnati, Ohio, that I started going to at the fourth grade. And I studied dance there as well as music and musical theater. We did all sorts of musical theater productions. And so I kind of got a wide performing arts um, education there. And th that really got me. The bug was, was firmly bitten <laughs> at that point. And I had to give up sports. I played soccer and baseball too. But there was one point my parents were like, OK, you have to make a decision. Like, we're running around town too much for you. <laughs> And I have a younger brother and sisters too. So I mean, I chose I chose the dance. I chose the performing arts um, at that point. I, I was I don't know. I was probably eight or nine or something. And then I went to a boarding high school at the age of 14 called the Herod Conservatory in Boca Raton, Florida, because I was kind of realizing that my training wasn't going to get much better than what I was already getting at in Cincinnati. And I was traveling to summer programs, lots of ballet schools. San Francisco Ballet has a summer program. I was going to Pittsburgh Ballet Theater summer program, Chautauqua, Houston, lots of different places. And I was realizing like, oh, I need to have this type of training pretty much all the time if I really want to do this. So then I went to a boarding high school. And then from there, then I went to Juilliard and spent three years there, graduated, and then I came straight here. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize that we don't have more time for questions. We sort of. We're running over a little bit here, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Enjoy the show tonight, and please do come visit us at sfballet.org.